Welcome to Devil 7, Episode 103, Daredevil, Season 1, Episode 4, In the Blood. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Welcome, agents. It's time for a beatdown in the blood. It's Agent Daniel Butcher. And it's going to be dark. Because it's dark here at night. It's also probably dark where my co-host is. Yes, it is. It is dark. And I'm you turn down the... I'm Ben. Ben Avery. You turn here. down the lights. Yeah, Daniel... Are you avoiding SUVs? That's the important thing. Are you avoiding SUVs? I, I just, here's the thing, Daniel. I can, I'll just tell you right now, I'm, I'm a little nervous about this episode. This is a big deal episode. This is the episode that a lot of people point to, I think, as the episode that either turned them on to Daredevil or turned them off of Daredevil. Well, I wonder what I thought. I do, too. <laughs> and I first thought, actually, I think I actually this time have a fairly good idea. Yeah. So uh, here's the way we do this. We have uh, voicemails that we're going to play from Daniel and from me that uh, we recorded right after our first viewing so we can have that initial reaction. Then we're going to discuss the episode uh, closely, and then we will have... Um, Listener feedback, and this time we have one listener feedback from Agent Evan. And then we'll have our final verdict as we uh, rate the episode. Uh, how many Billy Clubs out of five do we give this episode? So that's how we, we run this. This is episode four of our Daredevil coverage. And yeah, I, th I think from there, that's that's pretty much all the information that people need to know. I'm Ben. He's Daniel. And this is Daredevil. And this is Daredevil. And yeah, well, should we just get started? I mean, there's no news. Not like last episode, which... Second longest news segment ever. Uh, maybe. Maybe. We, we can get long-winded sometimes. But. Well, why don't you go ahead and play the sounder for the segment that I can't remember the name of. Oh, you mean the opening statements? Oh, yeah. that's That seems to make sense. And let's, Yeah. Let's do yeah. it. Opening statements. So here we go. This is uh, recorded immediately after we watched the episode. So, Daniel, I'm going to go ahead and play your reaction to In the Blood first. Agent Daniel here. Daredevil, you officially have my attention. It's been a slow burn for me. It's been good and interesting, but I have been pretty easily able to taint, turn my from the TV to think about other things while watching Daredevil. Now, all I can say is that just happened. Uh, Wilson Fisk, this is fantastic stuff. I love the Fisk stuff. I was loving the interaction with him and Vanessa. I love the fact that it was Vanessa, the love of Fisk's life. So it kind of lets me know where this is going. I know they're going to get together. Um, they're a great pairing. Diafrio um, is is fantastic. He's got that growl in his voice. He's he's got this piece where he's he's somewhat oh shy, but at the same time, you know, he's just got that foreboding. But that just happened. The scene that just happened. His violence. The only thing missing from that scene was a bear hug. If he had had a good solid bear hug to finish him finish off the Russian. Thumbs up. But the thing is, is I don't even want to know what they're hitting to make these noises. I don't want to know because the noise work, I'm here crunching and soft things and it's terrifying and riveting. And then to watch the, the drippings come off the car, that just happened. Like the Daredevil, the Matt slash Mike slash Nightner stuff, that's good stuff between him and Claire. I, I, I'm going to ship that. 
Um, I like the fact that uh, Karen is being used with Ben and Foggy versus being a love interest um, at the moment. Because, again, I like Night Nurse. Um, my biggest concern at the moment, and maybe this is just an ev- evolution of the suit, is he tossed his cane instead of using the cane as uh, a baton. But, again, uh, that can be worked on. His suit hasn't evolved yet. Um, but, yeah, uh, issue episode four... Uh, this has my attention. This is the best on-screen depiction of Daredevil yet. Um, I got to hit play right now. Peace out later, bye. Okay, well, there we have it. Yeah, I, high, high I praise. said it all. High praise. Uh, I don't think we even need to record an episode now. I, um, uh, we're, we're done. Well, you can You can talk. I'll just walk away. Okay, well... How about I let past me talk? Um, I'm not sure if I want to, but I'm going to go. Well, ahead. I just always worry. You seem so awkward when you call yourself. I know. It's a personal problem. Or interpersonal personal problem. Hey, guys. Hi, Daniel. Hello, future me. Uh, look, I'm sorry, future me, about what I did to your foot the other day. Um it wasn't my fault. I didn't do it on purpose, but I know you're suffering because of it. And anyway, um, this episode in the blood, this is the one that I just watched and this is the one I'm calling in about. And all I have to say is subtitles. Uh, this episode, good grief. There's so many subtitles and beyond the subtitles. Sorry, future Ben for taking your joke. Okay. Okay. Anyway, uh, beyond the subtitles, uh, Wilson Fisk, he has come and made quite an impression. And we get more blood and we get more, you know, just the the brutality um, and the, the lingering brutality that he brings to Hell's Kitchen. He just wants to make it a better place, but then he's going to go start a war. And it just, this is the episode where all of the strands are kind of getting pulled in together to say, okay, this is where we're going, and you're finally getting an impression of where is this show going. And the thing is, since we watch it at our own pace, I don't worry about that. You know, with a weekly show, I'm worried about where is it going from week to week to week. What's going to bring me back? Um, with this, what's going to bring me back? Well, I'm watching a 13-episode miniseries. I thought I was going to be watching it be more, um, more of a you know, serialized kind of thing. But no, this is episodic, and that surprises me that it's, it's episode by episode. There's a B plot that is the ongoing stuff with the cliffhangers, but then there's the A plot, which is, you know, hey, this is our, our current case. This episode, though, kind of broke that mole, and this episode is, is kind of, this is where I think it's hitting its stride as far as bringing you along and saying, we got more that we want to tell. We want to get, this is the direction we're going in. So it's nice to finally get a direction. Anyway, um, I'm enjoying the show so far. It is brutal. It is brutal. There is a lot of just brutal violence. But at the same time, hopefully as you're watching it, you're feeling it. I mean, you're, you're feeling that you're not supposed to like this. This is not a good thing. These are not good people doing these things. So, uh, and then you have Daredevil who's conflicted about what he has to do and if it's helping or hurting. So... Anyway, talk to you later, Daniel, and future me. Have a good day, I guess. Actually, I hope you do have a good day since you're on the future me. How is it that we just don't get along, future me? Oh. <sighs> I feel a lot of tension. <laughs> just a lot of tension in the air. You want you want to feel a little you. more tension, Daniel? What what is? <laughs> There's another message here. Uh-oh. That's not right. We were to call in, leave the message. We have three minutes. And we can leave our message in three minutes or less, right? I mean, that's that's what everyone who calls in does. And then past Ben apparently called in twice. Oh, man. Yeah, this came in 50 minutes later. 50, Breaking what? the rules. Yeah. 50 minutes later, what was I doing? Come on, Ben. Hey, Daniel. Hello, future me. 
I know I'm breaking the rules here a little bit, but yes, you what are, are you going to do? You know, <laughs> just called it you, out. You can't punish me, future me, because you punish me, you punish you. Anyway, speaking of punishing, um, I'm just making the prediction right now. Vanessa, she's dead. She's dead. She will be dead. She is going to be dead, and it's going to be not good. And we're going to see Wilson Fisk, you know, cut off someone's head again with a door or something. So just my prediction, and we'll see how how it comes out. Yeah. So, yeah, sue me, future Ben. Sue me for breaking the rules, okay? What you going to do? You know, you sue me and you win. It comes out of your pocket. Sheesh. Well, I guess. So we'll not only am I breaking if, the rules. If past rogue you. <laughs> it's quite possible that past me is an idiot. It is possible. <laughs> which might mean that the future you is an idiot too. I hope I've learned. Uh... Well, that's something uh-huh. we can't really spoil until the final episode, I guess. But, well, that happened. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay, so anyway, we bring up some interesting points. It seems like, uh, I, like I expected, though, um, both you and I were very, uh, very... Captivated? Uh, I don't know if that... Uh, it's not the right word. I, I'm, I'm looking for a word that means... That we were we were both very affected. That's what it is. We were both very affected by that 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 final scene there in in the episode. Maybe we should go with it. affected. I think so. I think so. Well, should we move on? Let's do it. Oh, I know what I should have done after that message from past me. Kicked yourself in the foot. Or this. Yeah. 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 You got that ready, but not my crickets. Look, man, I can't have the crickets ready every episode. I have they, to wrangle them. I have to feed them. Did, I, I was going to say, you, you didn't feed them, and my crickets are dead. They're not dead. I promise you. Just don't visit me. <laughs> I had a kid tonight ask me if I would ever eat a bacon-flavored cricket. You want to know a secret? You have, haven't you? Not bacon-flavored. All right, let's move on to the main discussion. Case evidence in the blood. It's an episode of Daredevil, and it starts out in the past with a flashback. Siberia, eight years ago, and this is our backstory for Vladimir and Antoli. Antonoli. You know, let's be honest, you're only going to know their names if you see it in the subtitle and write it down. That's exactly what I did, but I wrote it down in very messy handwriting. So. Who are you, me? Uh, th- here's the thing. I mean, there, there's definitely two different personalities there. Um, but I, I really can't help thinking of them just together up until this point. I mean, they were just, they were brothers, they were together, and that's that's that. They're also survivors together. Um, <laughs> and how are they going to escape from this prison? Ugh. Ugh. They are going to make bone knives <laughs> uh, donated to them by the third man who's in the cell with them. Hey, Ben, if I'm ever in a prison cell with you and I die, please uh-huh. don't use my ribs as a bone knife. Oh, I would absolutely not. Use your ribs Ugh. as a bone knife. I would use your femur as a bone sword. Well, and if I was recently died, that would definitely be a hot mess. That would be a mess. That's for sure. Um, yeah, this is okay. Our first scene of this episode, and it is it is brutal. It is grimy. It is messy. Um, it is not real super bloody. That's later. Uh, but it is definitely gross and it's, it's a shock. It's a shock, but it tells you what kind of people we're dealing with here. Um, you know, they, they are survivors, like I said, and they're surviving together. Um, yeah. Anything else to say here about, about our Russians and, and 
their no, I, I mean, opening scene together. scene establishes their closeness and the fact that, as you say, they are survivors. They have ambition. They plan to find a way to go to America so they can live like kings. Yes. And they do end up living like kings, basically. Um, now, our next scene, we have uh, Daredevil has basically been taking down these these Russian criminals. Um, he's throwing people out of out of windows. Uh, in this, this scene, we're coming in in the middle of some pretty intense action. And uh, Daredevil's hurt. So he's going to go and visit Night Nurse. And she is still using her sick days to hide out from the Russians uh, who are looking for her and were looking for her uh, before. And yeah, so we have a nice little scene here with Night Nurse and, and Daredevil, which apparently, you know, past Daniel was shipping these nice characters. Shipped it big. Really? Yeah. And they're a cute couple. They, if, you know, they sew up each other well. Well, that's just it. it. In the beginning, Night Nurse is Daredevil's uh, cut man. And at the end, uh, Daredevil gets to be her cut man and, and sews up her, her wounds. So it is. It's a nice relationship. But you can kind of see some of the cracks forming here as she's questioning him you know, about you should get some body armor. Um you know, what are you doing here? Um, you need to you know, relax and chill out. And he, oh, I can't ease up. Not yet. I can't. Um, and, and so, yeah. And, and she has, he, he says, uh, you should see the other guy. And she says, well, I have, you know, cause she has seen them, uh, you know, what he's done with them and, and was there for that creepy, creepy scene where she wore the night nurse costume that, Looks well, like you're a, just obsessed with that, aren't you? Oh, it is creepy costume. You know what I realized it reminded me of? And this is going to mean nothing to a whole bunch of people who are listening right now, but it reminded me of the costumes of the people in um, Logan's Run who are doing the carousel ceremony. Uh, means nothing to anyone listening right now other than... Over it, the age of 35. Under the age of 35, probably. Well, if you're under the age of 35, you've not been forced to take the, the ceremony at the carousel. But anyway, um, that was a creepy, creepy costume. And I loved it. I, I loved that she was wearing that and she was kind of an angel, you know, the, you know, the, the colors of the costumes, you know, and, and here it, again, you've got them at odds. They are kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. He goes out, he gets hurt beating people up so that he can help stop crime. She stays back and helps people heal um, who have gone through uh, that that process, him being one of the people going through that process. It's, it's an interesting dichotomy. I love the idea of the night nurse. And honestly, you know, my first, this is my first introduction to her. I didn't read about her in the comics until reading a, a Daredevil comic that had a reprint <laughs> in it. I was so going to say, you, you've been reading those romance comics again, bit. I read the four romance comics, but it had an issue of Daredevil uh, from the run where Night Nurse became the nurse to superheroes, or when they introduced her as that anyway. So, and I, I liked it. I liked it well enough. So, yeah. Weirdo. Uh, so she's hiding out, though, because these guys are bad dudes and they're looking for her. So then we go back to the Russians and they have, they are living like Kings. They, the cover is a taxi company and they're visiting. And all I can think about at this point is DC cab with Mr. T. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about Danny DeVito and, and, uh, you know, Judd Hirsch and, oh, what's her name? Marilyn, Mary Lou Henner. Mary Lou Henner. Yep. Yep. And Doc Brown. Nice job. You pulled that one out. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say my, my second reference wasn't taxi. My second reference was an episode of the A-Team with Mr. T in which they help a taxi company out. Well, these are bad guys who have a taxi company and they are licking their wounds, basically. I mean, Daredevil is is causing problems. He's causing issues for the crime syndicate and the, the this you know alliance between these different crime groups. And 
Wesley comes, Mr. Wesley comes and he's, this is where you get that line about the iron suit or the magic hammer. You know, he's causing so much trouble for you. And it would make sense if he had an iron suit or a magic hammer. Um, and he says, you know, Mr. Fix, Mr. Fisk wants to help. It's not an order. It's an offer, but, uh, you guys aren't pulling your end, uh, of the bargain. And we get them, they, and this is interesting. You get some good disrespect out of them for Fisk, for Kingpin. And, you know, one of them says, you tell Mr. Fisk. And Wesley says, we don't say his name. You tell Mr. Fisk. And you just get the impression that they are, they're feeling stifled, maybe. They've got, Kingpin on one side and Daredevil on the other side, and they're kind of caught in between. And it's a being stifled. That's why I had to go on the uh, another podcast to talk about Tomorrowland. <laughs> well, you know, you stifle me. I don't stifle you. You just didn't watch the movie. Yeah, it did really take me a long time. So then you have uh, also the idea of, well, you know, do you know why they don't say his name? Because that would betray that he is just a man. And this really is an interesting conversation because in many ways, this Wilson Fisk is probably the most human kingpin we've ever seen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to have have this very deep conversation about the power of names and what it could signify, this was some nice content. And, and it comes though with, with the context of them saying, you know what? He is just a man, just like us, you know, and why are we letting him determine our future? And of course, by the end of the episode, he's really determined one of their futures. <laughs> but, um, so then we move to Karen and Ben and Ben, Karen's pushing him to follow up on the story. And Ben thinks you know, there's no sources. Everyone is dead. No one is looking into it. And those are the very reasons why Karen is pushing him uh, to do it. And he's he's telling her, stay back. Stay back. Go and count the angels on the head of a pin and move on, he says. Which that's going to be my new go-to. When someone comes to me and and wants to do something, and I'm like, no. Like, my, my son comes and says, hey, daddy, can I play a... Can I play an iPad game? I'll say, no, boy, go sit over there and count the angels on the head of the pen and move on. That's, that's my new go-to, but she keeps pushing and, and he's saying, step, walk away, walk away from it. It's a good relationship. I like what we got going on here. And he's challenging her, but she's also challenging him. And so he's really trying to challenge her to think about her own safety, but she's challenging him on the sense of, where is this man? What happened to him? Yeah. And what's his answer? He got old and less stupid. But but here's the thing, Daniel. Here's my question to you. Later on, we're going to see that he is following through on this. And he is f- investigating the story. And his advice was not saying, I'm not going to follow this. He tells her, I'm telling you to stay out of this. I'm not saying I'm going to stay out of this. At this point... Do you think he had decided to do that? Because he makes it sound like that later on. I think he had. At least that's the way I interpreted it. Is he's trying to get her out of the way and for her to be safe. But he, again, he's very specific. You stop doing this. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, that later scene is in the auction, which is kind of fun, you know, where he tells her, you know, buy something or whatever. But, But that's where he says, you know you got to be safe here. I'm going to go ahead and take the, I'm, I'm taking it from you. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say, Hey, I'm writing the story and I'm going to be the one who takes the fall. If anyone's going to deal with consequences, it's me, not you, because you know what happened to the people who were part of this story? They're dead. You know what happened to the people who are part of this story? They're dead. And she asked him, well, what about the person who was the whistleblower? You know, and he, she had the worst fate of all. She married a, a guy who, a workaholic who who didn't give her the time and attention that she needed. 
which of course we assume is Ben and his wife who's in the hospital. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're not, I don't think that's an assumption. I, this is where text, yeah, it totally it's is. not subtext. This is text right here. So. And this, and I, I think I can be bold in saying this, this is probably the most backstory we're going to get on Ben's romantic relationship in the entire series. That his wife is someone that he met through a news story in one of his exposés mm-hmm. that his wife knew that hotshot reporter Ben Urich who broke the big stories. So. And see, that's where, again, you could take the scene, I think, in that he hasn't decided yet. And she is pushing him. And he's remembering. Remember when she came to me? And she put me on the path of this other story and and she was you know and, and in, in a strange way putting his life on the line for a story is almost honoring her um you know and you know we'll, we'll get into what happens in in the upcoming episodes but um yeah i'm i like ben so much daniel i like him so much and not just because he shares my name although i do have that you know i don't know what you call that but name affinity where I like characters because of their name, except for Ben Kenobi. I'm starting to not like him so much. No, we're not talking about that right now. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I will not talk about how every decision that Ben Kenobi made would have positively affected the Star Wars universe. If he had just made the opposite decision, it was Yoda. It was not. I've got, I've got. Okay. Here's the deal, Ben. Can we find a place where we can come to, to reconciliation together? I just received a message that allowed me to know that underoos are now in adult and youth sizes. <laughs> Why are you reading emails right now? Well, it just popped up and we're talking about underoos, which are a very important part of my life. They were a very important part of my life when I was eight. I had the yep. I had the Yoda underoos, speaking of Yoda, that had the coolest green color of underwear. I- You know what? You know what? I'm going to put out this plea. When I was a kid, above my bed, I had a poster. It was a Ben Kenobi. And it was, I want to say, it looked like frames from a a panels from a comic book of him being cut down by Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. I want that poster. It's over my bed for years. I need help. All right, go ahead. Continue whatever. A different no podcast. A different podcast I will be recording this week is all about Ben Kenobi. So we will move on to our Russians who, oh, man, they visit their third friend. It's not the same third friend, obviously, <laughs> from the prison. Friend. But this is their friend who Daredevil had basically tortured. And uh, dropped off a roof and who was in a coma for a few episodes. And now he's back. Still in a coma. His neck is in traction. His leg. I mean, this is comic, not comic book stuff. This is this is a uh, sitcom stuff of, you know, the person after the ski accident where he's in the body cast. I mean, this guy is in terrible, terrible shape. When you say sitcom stuff. You mean if it wasn't funny. Because this isn't funny. No, this no. Is I mean, a guy in a therapeutic coma. You you take this guy, put him on a sitcom set with a laugh track, and you know it, it's a it's a hospital set, and and you know it's 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 Alf visiting Willie or something. You know, where it's like, hey, Willie, you know, sorry about the ski, you know, trip or whatever. This looks terrible, though. He is in casts, not head to toe, but very close to it, and he's also in a coma. And they go in there and they decide it's time for him to wake up. And they argue with each other a little bit over his body. And one of the the key lines that I see there is back when we had nothing, we agreed on everything. And here's where they're going to, they're going to kind of come together again. They give him a dose of epinephrine, epinephrine. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Take that science. (laughs) Wakes him up. And they say, tell me about the man who did this. And he says, it's the devil. And then they say, tell us more. I can't believe they did this. All right. This is, this is one nitpick where I'm like, oh, come on. Sitcom stuff. He brings them closer and he whispers in their ear as we fade away, you know, 
Rosebud. Yeah. Yeah. But their their conflict at the beginning of the scene has turned into a kind of a a resolution that they both have to to take care of this Daredevil problem and to take care of the Kingpin problem too. Uh, and they're going to head over to Karen's apartment. And meanwhile, uh, we then go to Kingpin. And Kingpin is um, he's going to attend to something. He has to attend to it alone. And what is he going to attend to? Flirting with Vanessa. Awkward flirting. Yeah. But flirting nonetheless. Here's my thing. I, the, the note I wrote down here after the first time I watched this, and it's a, I, I think I, I still feel this way a little bit. He looks like Kingpin. He does not sound like Kingpin sounds in my head when I read Kingpin in a comic book. No. Um, because he's playing him, like you said. He's, he's, that, he's socially awkward. Um, he knows what he wants to do. He is ruthless in what he wants to do, uh, you know, professionally, so to speak. But personally, especially with this woman who has captured him, just captured him and captured his attention, uh, he's very awkward. And, and so what's his opening line? I put your painting in my bedroom so it's the, the last thing I see every night. <laughs> Awkward opening line. Ben, I have a confession to make. What's that? You once drew for me a Deadpool picture with a unicorn. That's right. I did draw that for you, didn't I? It's in my bedroom so I can see it before I go to bed every night. I feel very awkward right now. <laughs> How do you think Mrs. Butcher feels about it? Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, it's not often that a comic book writer actually sends you an original piece no. of art, but, yeah. but you know, again, <laughs> this material is good. Not just the flirting is good. Oh, it's great. Yes. And he also really does a great job of establishing the type of person he's looking for. They talk in their banter about men who have come in and, you know, oh, I'm going to buy the whole gallery and. You know, she's working tonight. Is he going to do that? And yeah. he's really not looking for a trophy. He's not looking for someone who's just pretty. He's not looking to steal her away from Jor-El. He's looking for <laughs> a woman of substance. He is. A woman of value. A woman with self-worth. And he even, you know, he specifically calls out, you know, if a woman can't be bought, can be bought, she's not someone he's looking for. And here's the thing, though. The scene is also well shot. And, and everything, I mean, so much about the series is so well thought out. Um, one of my other notes here is, is color. She's wearing white. Again, you have Daredevil and Vanessa. Not Vanessa. You have Daredevil and, and Night Nurse. <laughs> um, and you have that color scheme thing going on. You have the same color scheme thing going on here with Kingpin and Vanessa. Fisk wears dark, dark gray. And she is wearing white. The painting she sold him, Rabbits in a Snowstorm, it's white and, and shades of light gray that he's bought and put on his wall. And we'll find out more about that later. Uh, watching this episode, I had no idea that it was going to actually be uh, a, an element of things in, in the future. I just thought it was, you know, something to flirt about. Um, but the the use of color and the staging of things and and that this is this makes Daredevil as a series uh, very artful uh, and and artfully made and takes it a step beyond a typical superhero fair where it is yes there's bright color and color is used to make a statement about your characters. But here, uh, the way things are staged, the way things are shot, not just in this scene, but in, in the series as a whole, it takes it and, and pushes it up to 11 or whatever you want to say. So, And this is also where you find out she's Vanessa, who is a comic book character that is Kingpin's love. His wife. Yeah, but then she becomes dead. <laughs> well, yeah, hence your prediction. 
Well, my prediction wasn't based on what I knew about her from the comics. My prediction was based on Fisk's reaction just to being embarrassed in front of her. And to have, you know, that's where I said, well, she's going to end up dead. And I'm almost wondering if it was going to be Daredevil's fault or whatever. That's what my prediction is based on is, is what, what, oh man, when he's embarrassed by her, let's, we'll get to that. We will get to that. Uh, so meanwhile, we have a tense scene with Claire, uh, night nurse, and she's coming into her house and we know the Russians are after her and it's kind of shot like a horror movie in some ways. And it's not the only part of this episode that is shot like a horror movie. Absolutely not. But you have this moment where she moves in front of the window and she moves back and then there's something there in the window beyond the curtains. Uh, she, you think it's coming through the front door. She actually goes to the front door. Um, but we realize, oh, no, it's actually on the window outside. And you have some Matt and Foggy interaction, which I like it. I like the Matt I and Foggy. I could have been carving my own corned <laughs> yeah. beef. I could have been my a butcher. Own a butcher. He says, I could have been a butcher. So, again, this episode, we have both Ben and Daniel represented. He, he could have been a part of your family, Daniel. Easily. He could have been and, a butcher. And, and he asked the hard questions, which really is what happened to all the fax machines. <laughs> yes. Yes. The other hard question being, what if we're doing everything all wrong and should we have just stayed with the, uh, the law firm that actually has money but doesn't have ethics and had free bagels? And I will say this. I get free bagels every Friday and it's a delightful day. <laughs> so we get a phone get call. Everything with veggie cream cheese. It's very savory. My family prefers sweet, so this is my one chance to really um, enjoy that savory bagel. That's nice. You 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 you're being rewarded for your sacrifice. Of sweet. And it's stinky. Yeah. So there's a phone call um that Matt gets. It's Claire calling from the cell phone that he gave her earlier. Uh he knows they've gotten to her. He uses his super hearing. Um <laughs> This element, I have to say, if there's one thing about Daredevil that kind of pushes his character a little too far for me, it's the way he uses his super hearing to like hear things across the city and filter things out. Considering all of the noises in the city, he's able to. That's the one thing about Daredevil's character that doesn't translate well even here. My note literally says. Matt listens to the city. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, he still doesn't get her. He still doesn't. He, he's not able to follow her uh, and, and, and find her. Um, yeah. It, it's not until he goes and back to her place and, and finds San, I think his name is Santino. Um, who's right. been beaten up and, uh, he, he says, no, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Don't worry. And then we find out that it's this taxi company. Well, what company is that? And so this is where Nightman finally... Nightman. Nightman. Well, I, I used to listen to a great Nightman podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, it is Santino. You are correct. Okay. Uh, this is where he finds out where Night Nurse has been taken and um, is able to figure things out that way. But yeah, uh, this is... it's. It's a good, we're at the beginning of his superhero, uh, his superhero tenure. And so as he's going out and, and learning how to be a superhero, he, this is one of those failures. He didn't rescue her in time. And now he has to do the investigation to find her. And, and we'll get into the whole <laughs> creepiness of that scene in a moment. Um, but we do get the, uh, the date. Fisk and Vanessa, they go out. And so you have these, it's interesting. You have these three male, female relationships happening all, all at once here. You have Ben and Karen, you have night nurse and daredevil, and you have Fisk and Vanessa. And oh, it's awkward again. Intense. Uh, and you, you get this thing where they're kind of flirting with each other. You also get the impression that, Fisk is kind of flirting with the idea of, do I let her in? Do I well, let her know who I really am? And she actually and asks, asks him, who are you? It's almost a duel. 
in the sense of who's going to get the last word. Yeah, yeah. It, isn't that a child's dessert? <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, uh, but oh, my weakness is chocolate. You know, here's the thing, though. You f- get the impression she's pushing. She's pushing in. And what makes me tense, uh, not after having seen the entire series now, but what makes me tense in this episode is, okay, is she going to say the wrong thing? Is she going to end up on his bad side and on the receiving end of his wrath? Well, and he's definitely nervous. I don't know what this is about, but he keeps twirling this cuff link. Well, we'll find out what this is about. That's a note that I have, too, about his, his cufflink. But uh, that cufflink is a very important element in a later episode. I was going to try to play ignorant. Oh, well, we can't exactly play ignorant. I mean, but yeah, I, I don't want to spoil I, uh, future episodes, but that is something that it, it is a, an important element here. And I didn't even think about it the first time. Oh, he's playing with his cufflink. This time I definitely noticed it. And th- this is the difference between a TV series that is kind of building things as they go along and something like this, where they have a beginning, middle, and end in mind at the beginning. Yeah. When they are shooting, when they are writing, they are writing 13 episodes that go together. It's an eight-hour movie. Close to it, yeah. Yeah, but it, but the thing is, is like the first time not seeing that, no impact. I mean, I probably saw it. I just didn't think about it. But now that I know the cufflink has significance and to see him playing with it throughout dinner – Added to my feeling of him being awkward. And we'll talk about this when we get there. But that's the same thing with the rabbits in a snowstorm. To me, rabbits in a snowstorm was a joke about art. And it becomes something so much bigger when we get to it. So anyway, he's, you know, he, she, she calls him out. You don't do this much. And he gives a little bit of background about living in a farm in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, but ha- wanting to return to the city because it was in the blood. <laughs> Which, um, I'm here with my bow and arrow and green cow to help the city. Yes. I will save my failed. city. You have failed the city. Um, so, yeah, we move. Yeah, the city stuff gets a little too much for me, but that's just because I've got arrow issues. Well, uh, the city stuff is a primary thing that that gives us uh, you know kingpin and daredevil being two sides of a coin they both want what's best for hell's kitchen they both are going about it very very differently very 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 differently uh so now we get the big fight scene uh the russians have the night nurse daredevil we know he's coming um and they're Brutally, again, we got some brutal violence here. They brutally beat Claire. Yeah, she and she's taking a beating. She's taking. She's not going to give up any information, even his fake name. I mean, all she knows is his fake name, right? At this nope. point. Um, and she's not going to give up, you know, the name of Mike. That's all she knows about him. His name is Mike. Uh, she does know he's blind. And no one else knows that. So that's something she could give them. But... Uh, she realizes he's coming and she says, you want to know his name? Ask him yourself. And yeah, the minute, again, she knows he's blind. The minute the lights are off, yeah. she knows that he is setting the stage for him. Yeah. Well, this is his territory now. It's not his territory in the physical landscape, but with the lights out, the dark, that's his realm. Yeah. He's taken this, this battlefield and he's put it to his advantage. The moment he turns the lights off. Now, here's what I'm reminded of. I said before, this is, you know, that wasn't the only time we, we had a horror movie kind of element here. A horror movie. Uh, this is a predator or an alien or Batman from Batman Begins um, coming through. He is taking them out one by one. They are scared. They don't know what's going on. They're trying to figure out there's chaos and darkness. And. Yeah, it totally reminds me of, of Batman Begins. It totally reminds me of he even uses something, you know, a little bit of the Christian Bale voice. He doesn't always use it, but every once in a while, you you get this my city kind of thing. <laughs> he doesn't always use the Christian Bale voice, but when he does, yeah, it's to protect his city. 
So the final blow of the battle, though, goes to Claire, which I, I found to be interesting. You know, it, it's the last thing. She's the one who sneaks in there. But then, okay, so we have this. I, this is what makes her a strong character for me and a realistic character for me. She's strong. She's resolute. Uh, she is not going to back down. She is not going to give up the information. Even as they are beating her, she is standing strong. She gives the final blow to the Russian who is the, the last one standing. And then they hug and she just breaks down. And I just, I, I watch that scene and I, it, you know, even forgetting gender here, that feels so real to me. That actually feels like how I would respond. Well, and I think it would be how many people respond just in the sense of not really even emotions, but body, but chemistry. I mean, when you go through these traumatic events, you have so many different chemicals going through your your body that you're, you're creating that you are going to go through a mix of emotions. Yeah. And and she has, and, and it, it just feels real. It feels right. Um, I agree. It's a very realistic program. They've MCU'd real life here at Daredevil. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and so going back to Karen and Ben for a moment here, um, she did buy some office equipment. She visits him at a, um, uh, a diner and he this is where he, he has a speech about all these people who died because they were trying to do the right thing because they the people who were trying to do the right thing underestimated what people in power will do to stay there and again this is unfortunately but it feels real it feels that that the people in power want to stay in power and it's because they have the power they can stay in power and that helplessness. And he, he says, I wasn't going to back off. I was pushing you away. And what's the first thing he wants her to do? If they're going to do this? Go away. Sign, sign the, agreement. the agreement. Yeah. She won't talk about it. He's And he makes it clear. I'm not signing it. You are. Yeah. I don't have to stop talking. I'm a reporter. I can do whatever I want. You sign the agreement. You walk away. Yeah. And Providing get the money. Providing her a level of protection. And get that money so you can afford the office equipment you just bought that I told you to buy that you didn't have the money for. Love that fax machine. <laughs> yeah. So, and we do get a Karen and Foggy scene too. Um, Foggy's in this and he, he's smart comic relief. That's, that's the good thing about him is that he is a goofball. He is witty though. And he is, you know, he says the things that we are thinking. Um, and yeah, uh, so she bought a fax machine. <laughs> are you mad? And he gives her the butcher story. <laughs> so he's opening up her, his backstory. Again, you have these, all these mini reflections of other characters. And so, uh, you know, just like Karen and Foggy are getting into his backstory about what brought him to where he was, um, Fisk and Vanessa get close to that. So after after Daredevil has wiped the floor with all the Russians, the brothers, they come in, they're licking their wounds, they're putting the pieces back together in the taxi place, and you know, who did this it was the man in black. And one of them is, he says, I'm going to go and talk to Kingpin. I'm going to talk to Fisk. He's an idiot. The way he goes about this though. And Wesley yeah. calls him out on this. <laughs> Wesley says, you know, a phone call might've been the better way to go because he interrupts the date. He interrupts <laughs> the date. And, ugh. Oh, There's nothing man. worse than getting your data interrupted. Well, it's right after she says, "Who are you?" And he's he's talked about the what the zupa, the dessert. He's talked about um, you know his work, and he's getting ready to kind of tell her. And then he comes in, and Fisk is embarrassed. But the other thing is, Fisk hasn't told her what he does, and so people from his world coming into this place. 
that is that that puts his relationship with her in jeopardy. It, it's unfortunate, but it's good writing. It's good writing to me. And then he says, put him in a car. And he just, he, he just oozes menace, oozes menace. Um, the, the, the bad guy he is here is 18 times greater than the bad guy he is in Jurassic world. But he, oh, just menaces seeping from his pores. And I would not want to be put in a car at his command because I'd be afraid I'd never come out of it. No. So we cut from there to the Karen and Foggy scene. And then we have another scene with uh, the daredevil night nurse scene where Matt is patching up Claire. And it's kind of funny, you know, blind man. Um, that's, but again, he's, giving he's already stitches. been established as a cut man before. Yeah, yeah. But he's giving stitches to the, you know, to the nurse, you know. And um, and she gives him a pep talk. You know, you have these questions of who are you with Fisk and, and Vanessa. And you have that same thing happening here with Matt and Claire. And they talk about, you know, the consequences for being good. And that he's just trying to make his city a better place. But, you know, nothing is changing. And she says, no, things are changing. You've helped people. You helped that little boy and his father. And, you know, people are scared, but you can actually do something about it. And he's, he's weighing the people that he's helped against the people that he's hurt. And... It, it works. It's, it's, it's the pep talk that he needed at that time. And this is where he also gives her his name, which is important. It's very, very important. He's letting her in. And, you know, whereas Kingpin, he doesn't want to let Vanessa in. And maybe he will, maybe he won't in the future. But um, Kingpin is being very guarded about his, uh, his actual real life. Um, mixing in with his, his, uh, very limited time, but life with Vanessa and you have Matt here. My name's Matt. So not his hilarious twin brother. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. So Kingpin walks Vanessa home. Um, I mean, I'm sure they drove there, but he walks her to the door again. Like I said, she's in white. He's in black. Um, you know, We're left with the question if this will happen again. She doesn't date customers. She doesn't. And so he. But she went with him. He says that he'll return the painting. So he's not a customer anymore. And she says, I'm not interested in gestures, you know. And, um, and, and then the other thing she says is she doesn't know how she feels, which I find is an interesting line to say that I don't know how I feel. When she's the one who brought up feelings, you know, in their first, their first conversation about art, you know, your reaction to art, how does it make you feel? So, yeah, I, it's a great relationship, artfully and skillfully built, um, you know, in a, in lesser hands, they would have maybe, you know, just fallen into each other's arms or, you know, Fisk would have pushed her. Um, or she would have pushed him, you know, but this give and take and, and the verbal sparring and, you know, the, I, I like what I'm seeing really all the way around, but the Vanessa and the Fisk stuff, you've got to be careful if you want that relationship to have any kind of impact if for one thing to happen to any one of them. So though you're trying to kill her, not trying to kill her, but I did put her on death watch. (laughs) We haven't pulled that out for a while. Oh, man. Maybe we need a sounder. Well, maybe we're uh, jumping the gun a little bit on that one, though. I demand a Death Watch sounder. Oh, probably not going to get one. So our final scene. Our final scene. Wesley is driving around with the one brother. And says you were right to reach out to us. A little call might have been more appropriate. You get some good uh, conversation about, you know, um, the past is smoke and swirling. And again, a, a second moment in this episode where we're going deep 
mm-hmm. with with real world tie-ins. You know, yeah. this is something that talks about people's emotions and their futures and their, and the per- their personality in many ways. The perception of the past. This you know, is, again, good writing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh. <laughs> Wilson wants a word. Oh, my goodness. You know, he's going to come around to, you know, the guy's side. And um, door opens. Wilson reaches in. And I, I got to say, this scene, um, first of all, it's startling. Suddenly, this in- huge, imposing presence is just reaching out at you. Yeah, I, and if, again, as a viewer, it's almost feeling like he's reaching for you. Yes. You want to know where my mind goes when I see that image, though? <laughs> I don't think you want to know. Oh, go ahead and tell me. Beginning of Empire Strikes Back with the Wampa reaching for Luke. It's but, just that yeah, huge yeah. Impre- imposing force just reaching and leaning forward and the arm going out. Uh, and then he grabs him, pulls him outside, beats him, and does not stop. The We linger on the violence. Um, the music... Uh, the music here drones and uh, it just makes it feel even more mad, even more crazy. And this, the music here reminds me now of dark Knight, Um, because uh, the dark Knight, the, the movie, the, the music by, by Hans Zimmer, where it's droning sounds that are accompanying the Joker, not, uh, you know, any kind of Joker theme. And and this is where I feel like with Kingpin, we're kind of getting that same kind of thing that just kind of um, really pushes that idea of he is out of control. He, his and, mind is clouded. And, and, and you know he's out of control, not just because of what you're seeing and hearing, but because Wesley, who was sitting in the SUV, gets out and walks out of the van, out of it. He's going to stand outside of it because what's going on is even too much for him. Yeah, yeah. And he just doesn't stop. He does not stop. He's relentless. Um, it, it's like he's working out all of his pent up aggression. He's awkward. You feel like he's sometimes an animal in a cage. He doesn't vocalize his anger. And here in this one scene, he lets all of his anger come out. Animal, his anger that's... at the Russian for interrupting the date. The anger perhaps he has with himself for not um, – being Mr. Smooth during the date, yeah. perhaps anger towards what Daredevil's doing to his business. He is mad, and all of it is coming out right here. Animal Fast, is a good furious. word. This feels animalistic. And yeah. And I'll also say this like the painting, this scene takes on a different meaning with later episodes when you see some reflections back to the scene as we look at some things that happen in in future episodes though um from here though uh oh and this is where then he he chops off the head with a door which (laughs) well again we got dripping we've got sounds it's uh the the dripping itself is really effective too because i mean it's just this line like you know like what comes down from your eaves on your house, uh, outside your window, just this line of drips. Maybe um, your gutter's not working properly. Yeah, Here's exactly. The drips. My and so, yeah, and and this is where he says, you know, take what's left and uh, send it to the other brother. And uh, Wesley says it'll start a war. And this is where Kingpin says, "I'm counting on it." He wants the war. Um. So yeah, he. This is all part of his, you know, not part of his plan, but it becomes a part of his plan to uh, take over things and to, you know, be the one in charge, I guess, um, by taking over the Russians' uh, activities. But Their drug distribution ring via taxi. Yeah. But here's the thing. You know, it's, it's a... a is a gang war really going to help the safety of the city and make it a better place to live? But, uh, you know, the, the ends justify the means. That's, that's a, another kind of theme you can pull out of, out of this episode. So, yeah. Tell Mr. Potter, Potter, I'll need a new suit. Oh yeah. Night nurse. She suggests daredevil get body armor and Fisk has body armor. 
the knife cuts into the suit, but does not cut into the flesh. And, and you can kind of see this kind of material underneath the tear in, in the suit. It's interesting. And, and I wasn't, I didn't notice it actually the first time. So. But it's incredible scene full of emotion and raw power and animalistic is really a great description. Yeah. The, the best word for it. So. All right. Well, any other thoughts here? I mean, this is this not until we get my billy clubs. Okay, this is the episode um, that that kind of defines the series, I think, for a lot of people. And um, like the the one take fight scene uh, in episode what two? I think it was. Um, it, this episode has that lingering moment, that haunting moment that that comes out of you know. Out of context, you can you'll think back and oh that scene. So, well, should we hear from our our, our listener who who wrote in? Let's do it. All right. Witness testimony. This is from Agent Evan, and he says, "Hey guys, Agent Evan here. Aside from some parts that are really turning me off, there were a few cool moments in this episode. It was a small moment, but I loved it when Claire tossed Matt's shirt at him and he caught it without even turning his head. I thought it was a nice touch and a subtle reminder to us as the audience that this guy's got more going on than what's on the surface. Speaking of which, how good is Daredevil's hearing? Seriously, in the comics, what's the upper limits? Because in this episode, it seems like he's pulling off some Clark Kent level super hearing to help him find Claire and her kidnappers. I don't think his powers were quite that extensive or had that sort of range. Also, how many canes does this guy have? He's running down an alley and he just throws one away. What do you think his annual budget is for those? So it's kind of sad that Wilson Fisk is the most pleasant character on the show so far, at least until the end of the episode when he kind of lost his head. So to speak. Ugh, not digging the gore, not digging it. I had to look away at a few parts. Usually when I'm watching a piece of media I'm enjoying, I don't have to turn away from the screen. This episode has helped me solidify my rating of the series so far at a steady four out of 10. Agent Evan out. Ugh. Interesting. Well, and, and I do agree with him. They, they haven't all been super winners to me, but again, this episode, that scene really defines that stuff got real. Well, let's give it a rating then. Here we go. Final verdict. All right, Daniel. How many Billy Clubs out of five do you give this episode? Well, you you know me. I like to carry around a saw. So 4.33 Billy Clubs. What? 4.33? It's more than a four. It's less than a five. It's a four. That's what it is. The scene just... They did that. They did that. They did. I um for this episode, I'm going with a five. I I feel like I I need to go with a five for this episode. Now, again, I've, I've got I've got the five in my mind. Uh, I know, I know, I know. It, it probably won't be a five for you when I say which one it is. Well, I'm I'm excited to hear it. And th- this was not it. Well, for me, this hits on all cylinders. Great script, great acting, uh, impactful and affecting. Um. And you you get to know your characters. I mean, th- this is a character piece where you have this you have you have these two giants. You have Kingpin and Daredevil, and they haven't even met each other yet, you know. But they are mortal enemies. They are both trying to find out more about the other one. And yeah, it's it just it's it, this episode is definitely a five. Um, four, I can understand. I can accept. Uh, if if you had gone lower than that, I, I would have been very interested to see what your reasoning was, but I definitely wouldn't have agreed with it. <laughs> so, yeah. But there we are. That's that's uh, Daredevil episode four uh, in the blood. It's done. Our next episode will be about Daredevil episode five, surprisingly. And yeah, because <laughs> that's how math works. Well, as hard as math is, at least that element of math, I can, I can go along with. So, so, uh, Daniel, um, 
we're at the end of the episode. Do you have any final thoughts or any words that you'd like to well, give before, before we close things down? I just can't believe it happened. It was <laughs> so brutal. So the sounds. Ugh. Yeah. The sound think, effects. Are, ugh, do you think they used a watermelon? Uh, maybe. I think there might have been some raw meat involved in it and lettuce, <sighs> lettuce and celery. It's just so, so brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Well, Daniel, um, similar to you last week, this week I am looking around my office and I'm seeing my Funko Pop collection that I have of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. characters. And, uh, I've, you know, Howard the Duck and there's Rocket Raccoon and Groot. I've, I've got my Melinda May, Daniel. I've got my Melinda May. She's standing right next to Coulson and Nick Fury. Um, now, you know who I don't have, though, that, that is an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, that I'm, I'm still trying to decide. But I, I'm leaning toward Daniel not getting uh, Mockingbird. Uh, do you know why, Daniel? No, tell me why. Because a woman that can be bought isn't worth having. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Once again, thanks for listening, and remember, Welcome to Level 7. It's not just a podcast. It's a magical place. Sorry, Daniel. It's okay.